0: Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 15. Let me go ahead and read that now. Colossians chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Tychicus, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord, will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. With Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. They have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you, and those who are in Laodicea, and those in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea, and Nymphas, and the church that is in his house. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what your word means uh, to Paul and all those that he speaks of in his day, as well as to us, a lasting significance through all time. We thank you, Lord. We ask you now to open it to our ears, open it to our minds, and instruct us, we pray, in Christ's name, for the sake of his kingdom and glory. Amen. Last week I didn't choose to mention it, but Paul is writing this letter while a prisoner. And you'd think that that would have come up before now. I think if I were writing you from prison, that's pretty much the first thing I'd mention. Help me. Paul was imprisoned in Rome. And so he's writing to the Colossians. He wrote Ephesians from uh, being imprisoned in Rome. And so the first indication was in verse 3 where he speaks of being in chains, for which I am also in chains. And then again in our text, he mentions it in verse 10, my fellow prisoner greets you, Aristarchus. So he was there not alone, he was with others. But the reason that he never brought it up And the reason that we've been speaking of this letter periodically off and on since January, and it hasn't come up, is that for Paul, being in prison wasn't about him being personally inconvenienced, about even being uh, in a very difficult circumstance. The only reason he begins to bring it up is that he is being forced to be dependent in ways upon his network that until that time he has perhaps depended upon, but now they're it. There is eyes and ears out there. They have to do all of what he's asking because he can't leave. He's in prison, he's imprisoned. Now, back in August, I think I may have mentioned that my older brother was thrown in jail, and so he was put in jail down in Florida and it took him a few weeks to contact me because he just, you know, you're, you're in jail. It's very difficult to have any liberties whatsoever. But so finally he did contact me. Now that was the first contact I'd had from my brother in almost two years since I'd brought him home for my sister's funeral back in Ohio. I'd driven down to Florida, picked him up, brought him home. And so we weren't close by any stretch of the imagination. But when you're in jail, You're going to tap all of the people that might give you the time of day. And so that's what he did. That's what I think all of us would be tempted to do. We all are in positions of need and want, and we want help. But it tends to surface specifically when we're in a desperate circumstance where we need other people's assistance. And frankly, until that time, we may not truly value people like we ought to value people. I believe Paul is an exception to that. Even though he may not be the first people person you think of from Scripture, I think people tend to criticize Paul for being so task-oriented, but yet he ends all of his letters like this. He thanks a lot of people. He imparts knowledge to a lot of people. He is task-oriented, I have no doubt he was. But he did not forget people. He relied upon people. He loved them. Listen to what he says about this man, uh, Tychicus, in verse 7. A beloved brother, faithful minister, and a fellow servant to the Lord. And then he says, will tell you all the news about me. So this man, Tychicus, is dearly loved. He's a beloved brother. He's a faithful minister. And he's a fellow servant. And so think of that. As a beloved brother, it means that he had to be loving. To be loved, you really do need to be loving. And so he loved people. He was a faithful minister. That spoke to his actions, to his self sacrifice. He ministered to other people in their lives. He had a reputation for dependable service. And he was a fellow servant. Servant is that he had an attitude of humility. It wasn't all about him. Just like with Paul, it wasn't all about him, it's all about the mission. It's all about what we can accomplish together. And so let's be sold out for the mission. What I want you to focus on, as I mention a few things here, is the personal and societal connections that Paul is talking about. Listen to this. In verse 9, he says this. He mentions Onesimus. I'm sending you, uh, Tychicus and with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. So he specifically points out that Onesimus is like the people that he's writing to. He's one of you. Verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Fellow prisoner, he's here with me. Verse 10, uh, he mentions Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And in, in see, in Aristarchus, he said, My fellow prisoner, greet you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. He's mentioning all these people, and specifically how they relate to the people that he's writing to in these cities of, of the uh, area of Colossae. In verse 11, he says, And Jesus, who is called Justice, These are my only fellow workers in the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. Again, he draws on their ethnic uh, similarities to point out that there are just these few, but they're dear to me. He was not afraid to mention the fact that, hey, I'm a Jew. I really, really appreciate these Jews that are laboring with me because it was different than all of the Gentiles that have been being drawn into the kingdom. And then he mentions in verse 12 Epaphras, who is one of you again. So he's pointing out to his readers all of the social connections that he has with them, that they have with one another, that they have with these people that he's referring to. People, we people, are very, very social beings. We might think that we are antisocial, that we are an island, like the song goes, and yet we're not. As antisocial as some of us can be, we absolutely need this interaction with other people. We depend on it. Our lives depend on it. We are knit together through so many different ways, through work, through family, through uh, the common interests that we all have. We, for the most part, all have opted out of one of those social networks that's available to us, the public school system. All across America, all across small-town America, public school systems knit people together into a community. They're aware of one another through their connection with the school. Sports programs, annual parades, various things. And so we have chosen to exclude ourselves from that. And so some Christians look askance at us. Why do you do that? How can you do that? How can you ostracize yourself from society like that? And so we can be defensive in that regard. But what we have to point out is that do you really think The apostles, if they had families and children, would be sending them to local pagan schools for eight hours a day? There is no way. There is no way. And so we are just inculcated in this culture that tells us we must be a part of it, and we must play by their rules. But no, no. We do, though, have to make our own rules. There are rules we are to play by that are biblically given. And so we choose to play by those rules. And they do knit us together. But yet, my brother contacted me after a year and a half. I would never think about just disregarding him. Yet, he had a wife that he'd been married to for 25 years. He had three boys through that wife. None of them really made much contact with him during his stint in prison. Why? Because his relations with them were just relationships of convenience to him. If you are useful to me, then I will remain in contact with you. If you're not, then one day we'll see one another, but it's not a priority in my life. That's what he telegraphed to all of us. But of course, I'm Blood, I'm his only living brother, sister, sibling, no parents. And so I felt obligated and still do to maintain that contact with him. But see, that's the way we live. We live in society, we live with all these networks. Uh, Tabitha and her father and and Hannah were flying back from uh, LA earlier in the week, and they were on a plane with a bunch of rowdy Raiders fans. They were all coming to watch the Thursday night game down in Kansas City. And these people are in community. They're spending money and time, valuable time, to fly across the country. They're drinking up all of the airline's liquor in order to arrive properly lubricated and enjoy this even more. And they were getting pretty obnoxious, and the Kansas City fans that happened to be on the plane weren't liking it. And so there began to be these verbal battles about we're going to beat you, I'll meet you in the parking lot, that type of stuff. They're in community. They're social animals. Emphasis on animal. (laughs) So see, this is kind of the world we live in. We are connected in these ways, and we must recognize those connections, value those connections. Be aware that they're there. Now, we can criticize people for misplaced loyalties, for flying across the country to get drunk and watch this game where they lost. And so we think they, their priorities are misplaced. But they obviously, obviously, highly value them. So see, we ought not criticize them so much as seek opportunity to understand them. What makes people live like this? They like identifying with this subculture they're in. They find it to invigorate them to live life in a way that they want to. And so we must understand that, because why? Ultimately, we want to minister to such people. We want to relate to them in some way. They're not Martians. They're Americans. All these people that are sending their children to public school, many of them Christians, they're not Martians either. They are like us in far more ways than they're unlike us. So see, the title of this message is Social Networks. Social networking didn't begin with Facebook. Paul is living it out. He is well-connected. He mentions so many people in this last chapter of Colossians, and he does that in all of his letters. He's pointing out that we are all networked, and we all ought to honor that. We all ought to recognize it and value it. Christ formed a social network that lasts to this day and will last throughout all time. I mean, he formed the social network that will prevail. Lots of others come and go. Even ethnic nations come and go. But Christianity is here to stay. It will prevail. And we are all a part of it. Be a vital part of it. Value what we have here. I have had the privilege this week, over the last ten days, of going through thousands, tens of thousands of pictures in order to call out some... For, uh, to, for display at Becky and Micah's reception. It's not easy to do that, because you really don't want to overlook the cool ones that you know are in there, and yet at some point you have to begin skipping folders, especially now in the digital age. You have, I have thousands of pictures. I have 100,000 pictures of our cats. I've got to just grow through them, and I'm like, oh, who takes all these pictures of our cats? We have far more pictures of our cats than our kids. It's sad. <laughs> But one of the things that I've really valued as a side effect of this exercise is my family. My wife has hosted so many events. at Our home I mean, we've had countless picnics and meals and uh, July 4th picnics, and uh, we've had so many foreign students over when they're here in the, in the city of Omaha. And you just tend to forget about them. You forget about all these things. But then when I go through all these pictures and I ignore all the cats, what really prevails is just how many people we've had in our home. We've been in our home for 20 years. Two years now. And Mike is the only home he's ever known. He was born five months after we moved in there. And today was the last Sunday that he'll be waking up with us and coming to church with us. He's going to be off somewhere else. So these are all social connections that we should value. I have probably a hundred lists of the members of this church that we've produced over the last 15 years. And so many come and go. It's just amazing how much a church transforms over time. Uh, It's just hard to believe. And people leave for a lot of good and bad reasons, but yet I am so thankful that I've been here for all of this. And so my social network is not just my family, my children. It's all of you as well. Jesus said this in John 13. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. We don't always show the love that we have for one another in our family, in our church. And yet... Uh, what I've just done, this experience of going through all these pictures and seeing all these things, just really brings to mind how um, life is meant to be lived. Uh, It's not meant to be lived in isolation from one another. I remember there's a proverb that says, the man who seeks uh, his own, seeks to be alone, seeks sin. I forget exactly how it's phrased, but you get the gist. It's really in there, somewhere. But, uh, you know, and I often do, I seek to be alone at times. I'm not a social person. I, I, I know that seems odd at times, when my wife tells me I, all I do is talk. But uh, it's really not what I'd prefer to do at times. I just want to be away from people. I just want to be in my den and uh, do whatever I want to, just ignore people, pretend I'm all alone. But that really doesn't make for lasting memories. We've always tried to take lots of pictures, and for that reason, that when I'm old, I'll look back on life. And I'm old now, but I'm not ready to just sit around and look at pictures. But still, uh, I'm so glad that I have them. And I would really encourage all of you to take more pictures if you are... uh, If you see a sparsity of them in your life, they are are very helpful to remind you of just how precious life is, how wonderful it is. So now, do you honor the social network that God has made you a part of? We all... My brother honestly doesn't honor the social network that he's a part of, that he could be a part of. But do you? We're believers. We ought to know better. We have God's Word to guide us, have us make wise decisions. So please... Take advantage of the social network you're a part of. This is a social network that we want you to be a part of. I have pictures of all of you, almost. The Guernseys are new, but I have pictures of all of you in my terabyte drive. And I appreciate them, I appreciate you. I I will treat them with the preciousness that they deserve. Now, as we come to the table, we are honoring the man that created this social network that we're part of, and that we promise to continue to honor that social network. So have him be at the heart of it. We all have other things that will distract us from what we really value in life, but don't let yourself be distracted from Christ, from his word, from the church. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love, and we thank you for this that you have formed Uh, you have begun a good work in us, and you promise us that you will continue it uh, throughout our lives. And this work is more than us. It's in our families, it's in our churches, it's in our communities. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your work in us, and we pray, Lord, that we would work for you, that we would not just live for ourselves, but that we would live sacrificially, as Paul uh, explains here in what we've just read. We give you thanks for your kindness to us and for your grace. In Christ's name, amen.